Ecclesiastes 9, the words of the preacher, Solomon, we think, and he expresses the reality of a world that lacks control and that kind of deceives itself into thinking it has some control and then the truth that our God is in control. So through Ecclesiastes, generally you, you get that theme, but uh, we'll just read chapter 9, which very clearly uh, gives that, that understanding. Uh, my translation is uh, just a little different at certain points, but it's just of interest, and uh, it, uh, it flows really nice. Ecclesiastes 9. So I reflected on all this, so things of life and some of the meaninglessness, and that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands. So that's beautiful. But no one knows whether love or hate awaits them. All share a common destiny, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean, the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good, so with the sinful. As it is with those who take oath, so with those who are afraid to take them. This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live, and afterwards they join the dead. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, and even their name is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy has long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. Go eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless deeds. For this is your lot in life, and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hands finds to do, do it with all your might, for in the realm of the dead where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor no no <coughs> knowledge, nor wisdom. I've seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift. The or the battle to the strong. Nor does food come to the wise, or wealth to the brilliant, or favor to the learned. But time and chance happen to them all. Moreover, no one knows when their hour will come. As fish are caught in a cruel nest, net or birds are taken in a snare, so people are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. I also saw under the sun this example of wisdom that greatly impressed me. There was once a small city with only a few people in it, and a powerful king came against it, surrounded it, and built huge siege works against it. Now there lived in that city a man, poor but wise, and he saved the city by his wisdom. But nobody remembered that poor man. 
So I said, wisdom is better than strength, but the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are no longer heeded. The quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of a ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. So far, the reading of God's word from Ecclesiastes 9. I did have a little handout for you to follow along if you would like. Congregation of Jesus Christ, we are looking at Our World Belongs to God, the contemporary testimony. And last week we thought about that in terms of, of what, we, what we as a contemporary church, our faith, speaking into our world. That's the idea behind a contemporary testimony, that it seeks to speak a word of truth, a word of faith, a word of hope into our modern world. So it's called contemporary and we plan as a denomination to keep it contemporary. It'll continue to be updated and made as relevant as possible. And then a testimony <coughs> where it is, it is a word of witness, a word of, of personal confidence, a word of, of truth offered into this world that we, we come saying to, this is what we believe. This is what we understand to be true. And so we can offer that as a great hope and comfort in this world. And that is this evening in the context of what it says in stanza one as followers of Jesus Christ living in this world here and now, which seeks control. Control. That stanza one. There is a, an effort in our world for control. That's, that's a huge comfort. To try to be in control of our lives, to be in control of the situations around us. The reality is that really we have little control. Really, really. If you look at it, and we're going to look at it tonight, and then the comfort that we give is that our God is in control. So that's a, a huge message of comfort, of hope, of truth that we bring. I suggest to you that one way to describe our modern world, modern life, is that we have succeeded in, in, in taking control to an extent of, of many things. Control is, is definitely something that, that, that things are ordered, that they are regulated, that, that we, we can expect certain things and that things work in a certain way. It was interesting, uh, when we were in Egypt and looking at the different gods of Egypt, there was one god, Ma'at. Remember, Ma'at was the god of control. And the Egyptians did did worship that God with some uh, vigor. If, if you could control things, if you could control the Nile, if you could control different uh, economic things, political things, then, then life was in order. And, and the Pharaoh was the one who brought control. To be in control of things. We, we find comfort and peace there. And so it's a constant effort in our in our society, to control things. 
Notice a few examples. I just threw down a few on the handout. The sense of schedules, controlling our time. I use a, a day timer thing, and then you have your electric uh, your, on your phone, and, and you put your life in order, right? And if your life is not in order, there's a lack of control, right? Oh, I was supposed to be here, and I didn't get there. And suddenly everything is thrown off. So with time, with, with schedules, everything control. What are you doing today? Oh, this, 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 this. Who, what, where, all controlled, all regulated, all organized. Then, then life is a little more manageable. Then it's a little, a little more yeah, comforting. That you know what you're doing, you know when you're doing it, you know who you're going to see, and so the effort. And so things are scheduled and, and we have, like, like on, on, on our devices too, where it'll warn you about the time and the next thing, and, and there'll be little prompts here and there, and just to keep our lives going. And then, then we feel, yeah, we are accomplishing things. We are in control. So you, you see that, first of all. You see with health, our health, to control our health. Uh, through diet and exercise, you want to try to control your health, you, you have medications to help control things. If there are things a little out of line, if things are a little off, then medications help you control blood pressure, help you control diabetes, help you control pain. We, we take control of things, and, and that's a blessing in many ways. There is the area of finance that we need to have some control over our finances. And if you don't have control, then that lady on the TV comes in and sits you down, right? And she says, you are earning 2000 a month and you're spending 4000 This doesn't work. This is chaos. We need control. So things have to be put in place. And so we try to do that. I think even with our with our control of the weather. Though we don't control the weather, but the more we know and the more the more we we study and we try to try to have it clearly before us what's going to happen so that we can regulate our lives. Did you get the warning about the tornado on your TV? We just had the TV on, right? And we were just and then all of a sudden there was the big siren and the big Get to the basement, right? There's a tornado by Lacombe or Pinoca. And you think, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much, right? That, that there's a level of, of engagement and a level of understanding and that we can at least um, be warned. And, and so we appreciate that those things are in place. That we would want more control even. That we could even make uh, the weather do what we want. If that could happen, that would be something. You also see on a, on a political level where, where nations try to control each other, NATO trying to rein in Russia. So you want to exert pressure to control them so that they don't do things that aren't helpful. And, and so the effort to control, to control Iraq, to control North Korea, 
to have some influence and authority, and then, and then we would have some peace, and then, then everything would be better. So, so the whole area of being in control, taking control, is, is huge. That, that we work in all these areas, and then we think at the end, okay now, okay, we've, we've almost got it, right? We've almost got a hold of it. And, and life as we know it, and our life, and life in this world, everything is good, and we run it, and all is well. So that's, that's the level of control that's, that's recognized here in this world. People seek to find, to take control, and, and that is where their comfort lies. Then you look at Ecclesiastes 9, which is a reflection by a very wise, uh, and the story in Ecclesiastes 9 is, is where engaging things of the world and, and looking at all the things of the world and working and, and scheduling, and it's all in here too. I, I bought herds and, and flocks. I amassed silver and gold. All of the things that, that we try to do, that we try to be secure. And here in Ecclesiastes 9, he points out it's, it's not there. Uh, verse 1, uh, no one knows whether love or hate awaits them. And, and what he's talking about is relationships. Relationships. And if you're in relationship with people and, and trying to control the other person, even in a relationship, and, and things can happen, it's hard to control. If you're dating someone and then things are going well and then things are not going well. And the guy is wondering, what did I do? I thought things were going well. And they're not going well. Or, or in a family situation, too. Family, uh, extended family, siblings, yeah. Getting along, going good, and then all of a sudden it's not going good. And you know, something is there. Something, how do you fix that? And Wait a minute, right? Who is in control? How, how do we just fix this now? Well, it's hard, and maybe we're not in control. So those kind of examples is what, is what he is starting with here. Love, hate, dealing with people, dealing with situations where, where you are in relationship and, and people will feel a certain way and, and say certain things and do certain things, and you wonder, too, how did that happen? What, where did that come from? And what do I do now? And so we are not in control. Verse 3, he, he adds, uh, there is evil in everything that happens. And this is our understanding biblically too, to fall into sin. There is evil in everything that happens. And so even the, uh, the idea that, that everyone will be educated. We are going to educate everybody. We're going to train them from young to old. We're going to teach them what's right and good. And, and then they will do what's right and good, and there won't be any evil. And so that, that whole effort, but deep in the heart, there, there is evil. Stuff 
even though we know the good, we don't do it. And you can talk to people who've done things, who've, who've stolen. You can talk to senators in the Senate, and you can say to them, why did you do that? <laughs> what were you thinking when you misappropriate all those funds? And they'll tell you uh, they were just, they justified it to themselves. But it's, it's not right. It's not good. Where does that come from? There's things that go on, things beyond our control. And even, even in verse 3, it's, it's madness. I don't know if you noticed there. The hearts of the people are full of evil. There is madness in their hearts. They, uh, uh, people do things that don't make sense. They, they just don't make sense. What... But, and then some of the evil things or some of the drinking and driving doesn't make sense. Why do you do that? Why do people do that? There's madness. There's no control. There's a lack of control. So don't say you're in control. And don't say you have control of this world. All the check stops won't stop it. There's something going on. There's, there's no control. People will say things and do things that are plainly wrong and hurtful and they will not care. It's madness. It's uncontrolled. It's evidence that we are not in control. He goes on uh, to highlight very specifically in a little more length the reality of death. We do our best to control death. We do our best to to insulate it uh, when we can. As, as people with disease or old age, we, we kind of box it in, and here it is, and it's as if we have control. And then, and then too, the push to euthanasia is also, oh, we'll control it. We'll say when, yes or no. Then we feel better. Well, why don't we just stop it? Why don't we just keep everybody from dying? Well, we can't do that. We have no control. But we make it look as if we have control. Look, look, here. The person is ill. Here, there's a hospital. Oh, we can't do more there. We'll put them in here. Palliative care. And it's good we do all that. But it's not that we have any control. The Lord has said the end has come. And what do we do? We cannot do anything. So who's in control? So he brings these things out. Uh, verse 7 to 9 uh, has the illusion of our lives. Uh, go ahead. You are in control. Verse 7. Yeah, eat your food and drink your wine and uh, wear what you like. You are in control. Enjoy your life. And then he says, all your... All your meaningless days, eh? All your meaningless days. So you see people, people out there, and they're eating and drinking, and they're, yeah, they're enjoying life. They're, God is nowhere in the picture, and, and they look like they have control, right? They do what they want. Oh, do whatever you want. They are in control. They decide day after day, whatever they want. Pointless, meaningless life. The level of control is an illusion. And it says in verse 10, even working with all your might, 
Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your mind. You see people doing that, just going for it. But in the realm of the dead, where you are going, meaningless. What have you accomplished? So the illusion of, oh, I'm accomplishing so much, I'm in control. Without faith, without God, there's no future. Life is pointless. Life is wasted. And so, so you have some very hard-working, well-off people who realize this. I think a little bit, too. Jane Fonda's here. Have you seen Jane on TV? Yes, I love Jane Fonda back in the day, right? Trying to make something of her life. Yeah, she got all these movies. It's pointless. What can she maybe, maybe, maybe do now to make a bit of difference that might help? And she's grasping at, oh, okay, maybe we'll stop the oil stuff. No. Yeah, all of that pointless life. And she knows it in her heart. And she's just grasping for something and finding nothing. So the reality that that we are not in control, he continues to bring it. I love verse 11. It's so countercultural. It speaks to people who feel we can take control. It says too, the race is not to the swift. But, but I'm the fastest. I'm the fastest. I, I gotta win, right? I'm the fastest. No, no, actually, the winner of the race is not the fastest. But we're running like mad, hey, in our culture. Go, go, go. Wait a minute. The race is not to the swift? What's up with that? And yeah, the battle is not to the strong. Well, I, I'm going to strengthen my position. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, yeah, get guns and tanks and, and, and battle and, and nation against nation and in my own life too. I'm going to just fortify my position, strengthen my position. The battle is not to the strong. What's that? And then he adds too, the, the smartest uh, does food come to the wise? Does, so the wise would, would benefit. And if you're the smartest, then, then you gain the most reward. No. The smartest, the studying, the degrees, the range and depth of knowledge, that will not be the answer either. And yeah, would it gain wealth? Wealth to the brilliant. If you're brilliant, then of course you can make yourself wealthy. No. That's not how it works. In favor to the learned. All contrast to what, what, what the world without God kind of thinks. Yeah, just yourself. You make yourself. Say, no, that's not how it works. And then, it, it's fascinating, it ends, time and chance happen to them all. Time and chance. And I think it's, it's, it's just so prophetic and so striking that Ecclesiastes here uses those two words. Time and chance. And man, oh man, do we ever talk about that in our day. Time and chance. Those are the two words. It's so interesting. That's really what our modern world believes. Where did this whole world come from? Where did this whole universe come from? Oh, well, well, 
It's time and chance. Oh, really? Well, yes. That's where it all came from. That's what he says. That's a faith statement. So who's in control? Well, guess I'll try my best. But time and chance. That's the control. Where do you and I come from? Well, it's really random chance that you and I are alive at this time. There's no point, no purpose, really. We're just kind of lucky to actually be living at this place in this time. And so the, the focus of, of time and chance is, is at the center, and then that, that they mindlessly affect everything. And if they are in the great control, then they are... In, in the minute control, and your and my life is, is controlled by time and chance. Time and chance. So we really have no control. A lady is walking her dog. She's 40 years old. She feels in perfect health. She's enjoying the day. She collapses on the side of the road. I'm called back from holidays, and I bury her. She had an aneurysm. Time and chance. What's up with that? Who's in control, right? When's that going to happen to me? What is that? A little child is playing with the, the family, a two-year-old, and uh, just having fun on the playground. All the safety stuff is in place, and the child does fall, and it's a sickening sound, and she dies. And we have a little white casket, and we place her in the ground. Say, what is going on here? Time and chance? That's just cruel. That's just terrible. What can you say? Verse 12 talks about all of the things that happen that, that are, are so uncertain. No one knows when their hour will come. A fish is caught in a net, a bird in a snare. People are trapped and unexpectedly evil comes. That's all there is? Is that just kind of waiting till something happens to me or my relatives or my children? What? This is life? So, so who is in control? Even if you ask the successful person who says they worked hard and they definitely may have worked hard. But there's other people in this world who worked equally hard or harder. And they didn't make it very far. They might live in a different country. They might have just lived in circumstances that that all the hard work was just taken away by a war. They, what's in control? Time and chance? And so that, that picture of what is actually going on, what is the reality in which we live, what can we hold on to really, what can we trust in? In that reality, we can declare that there is 
control. God is in control <coughs> beyond our understanding, beyond our uh, working things out in our own strength. God is our comfort. The things we cannot control scare us and then we start to despair. That's what it says when you realize you are not in control. Some seek to control everything. Others move to despair when they realize that no, we're really not controlling that much at all. But we can declare with joy and trust our world belongs to God. So that's, that's the message that we bring. So when, when the world looks looks very uncertain on a larger scale. The oil prices, based on the Saudis deciding that they're going to do what they do and that affects us and we can't do anything. Well, we trust God is in control. When all of a sudden in Alberta, the NDP are elected in, well, that's a surprise. Well, who is in control, right? God is in control. It's not us. It's not our understanding. If, if as followers of Christ, in this very world we live in, we can say, under it all, our testimony, God is in control. And so stanza three, two, there are people crushed by failure. People who have felt failure in their lives, personally, their marriage has failed. They're crushed. They tried everything. Didn't work. So, I guess, yeah. What do you say to them? You come alongside them with the hope of God's lifting us up, even in our failure. It mentions broken by pain. Those who, those who are struggling, physical, mental pain, and there's nothing that can be done. Do they give up? To bring the assurance that God is there, even in the pain, that Christ has come alongside us and knows every pain, is, is an answer, is a context of care and truth and love that needs to be heard in a world that just has time and chance. We find that everywhere we turn, people, people need to recognize that God is in control. And trying to gain more control only makes us more uncertain. But giving over our control our need for control to God is a tremendous comfort. The writer of Ecclesiastes 9 has test all, tested all kinds of things, looked at all the frantic efforts, and, and he comes to that conclusion too. And so we want to make that our confession. God is in control. And that will be the message as we, over the next number of weeks, look at, at other aspects of the contemporary testimony where it speaks into the life of this world. God has not abandoned the work of his hands. God is our maker. He knows us intimately. We are not worthless specks of dust in the universe. We are 
in an intimate relationship with the God who made us and loves us and wants to restore us to fellowship. What, what a different message. What, what a different hope. What a different vision and understanding that we can bring to a world that, that sees none of that. And even, I, I like it in, in stanza five, where it shows God's faithfulness. Oh, sorry here, stanza four, where it says God has not abandoned the work of his hands, and, and even in sending the seasons, the sun and the rain, his continued care, the Bible talks about that often, that even there we see his gracious provision for us. And just to receive the rain again over the past week. And, and we have no control over it. And just to be in the assurance that, yeah, our God does provide for us. And we see it there and we receive it is a beautiful testimony as well. So that continues to be our witness in God's great care. And at a certain point, as, as we go through the, the, the details of God's control, even over death, then, then we have that assurance that Christ came and gave us the victory. And in a world of sin and death, that is such a powerful message too. We have the victory by faith in Jesus. What a blessing. That's the message of hope that we want to declare. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that our hope, our trust, our assurance can be in you. Even to the very degree that, that you know every hair on our head, that, that you know uh, every word that's on our tongue before we even say it, Psalm 139, that we are always in your presence, that you know when we sit tonight, you know when we lie down, when we get up and go to work, Lord. We are with you. You are with us. What a comfort to know that, to be assured that you have, have all things in your fatherly hand. We pray that that comfort would encourage each one here and that we also would continue to express and share that comfort with those around us who do not have that assurance, Lord. We want to take hold more fully of your presence, of your power, of your grace and love as we live each day under your care and as a witness to this world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.